Courtney. Hey, Sasha. How does a skeleton listen to music? Uh, I guess with some head bones? You know, in 2019, probably. Okay. But when this joke was written in the 20th century, <laughs> he turns on the bonograph. Hey! She's gonna go home. It's spoof hour. <laughs> Wait, we need you. <laughs> Please don't leave. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for having me. You may recognize that voice from a couple of episodes ago. We've got Mike back. The dulcet tones of Mike. The dulcet tones. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. The dulcet bones. Oh. I don't know why I'm trying to make him yeah. move nope, our Call podcast. it back. Call it back. No, no. I, I'm so sorry. We, we need him this week. We're very sorry. Everybody say hey to Mike again. Hey, Mike. Hi. Oh, what a warm reception. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back to Spoop Hour with Mike. We are a paranormal comedy podcast with we Mike. <laughs> with Mike. Um, hosted by two Halloweenies and Mike. And Mike. You can find us on Twitter, sometimes with Mike, I guess, at Spoop Hour. And Instagram, not with Mike, at Spoop Hour. I just Hour. got an Instagram. Oh, did I'm you like really? a legit Instagrammer now. Yeah, yeah. Are you following us? Not yet, but uh, I will, for sure. Follow us on Instagram, not with Mike, at Spoop Hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and email spoophour at gmail.com. With your spooky stories, and we'll tell them to Mike and only Mike. I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll tell, tell them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, Mike, guess what? And you'll be like, stop texting me. It's two in the morning. It's just, guess what? Listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So since uh, Mike man. has been on before, we're not going to do his tarot, because presumably his future hasn't changed. That's right. I mean, still, still just nothing but up. Great. Good. No more left-handed people. You're wearing all oh, the yeah, right colors of underwear. Out. Great. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> cut <laughs> them all out. You got to cut them loose. I had, I had exams recently, and Courtney reminded me to wear lucky underwear. Okay. I was like, for yes. sure, obviously. 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 So because we're not doing your tarot, we thought it would be fun to do another activity with you. And as people <laughs> who listened to our episode last week know, we have some cootie catchers. Oh, nice. And in honor of this being our Pride-themed episode Mm -hmm. with LGBT ghosts and stuff, we're going to (laughs) play Celebrity Husband. So you ready to find out who your Celebrity Husband is? Very, very excited. Okay, pick a color. Teal, red, purple, or black? Teal. Seven, five, two, or eight? Five. Three, six, four, or one? One. Idris Elba. Ooh, Ooh I'll take that one Other mystery husbands you could have won Ooh. include Hugh Jackman, nice. Oscar Isaac, Michael okay. B. Jordan, John oh. Cho, The Dud, okay. Tom Cruise. There has to be a Dud. Okay. I was dud. like, who is the Dud? <laughs> and the ultimate best <laughs> husband, 
Guy Fieri. Welcome to Flavor Town. Wow. Welcome to Flavor Town. I mean, you get a whole town, so that's <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Exactly. Yeah, and you get to wear your sunglasses on the back of your head. You'll be the I queen like of Flavor Town. You don't have to worry about letting yourself go if you're with Guy Fieri, right? <laughs> He'll just always be feeding you. He'll always feed you really good that's food. True. He's gonna be like, "You want some pasta? I'm gonna fry it. Eat it." <laughs> that's right. Pasta is his love language. <laughs> <laughs> it's just deep fried pasta all the time. We love Guy Fieri. We do. We're pro pasta. <laughs> We're pro tasty, delicious things from dives <laughs> and dumpsters. Hot take. We are pro pasta. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> Speaking of being pro things. Did any spooky pro things happen to you guys this week? What? I don't know. <laughs> that was a really that bad was segue. a really smooth segue. You're welcome. <laughs> I, had, I had a pretty spooky day yesterday. I had a nightmare that <gasps> I was kidnapped. <gasps> Tell us about and it. It ended up so weird. so. I was trapped in this house, and then when finally I was able to escape, she was like, "Ugh, I don't know why you're making such a big deal out of this," <laughs> and like totally made God, me feel like I was bitch. like, "I only kidnapped you a little bit." Mm-hmm. Right. She was like, ugh. Like, you could have just gone. I know I locked the door, but still. It's like that moment in Fifty Shades of Grey where he's like, I need you to understand that you can leave. And it's like, bitch, you took a helicopter to this island. Mm-hmm. She's yes, gonna it's need very to, that. She's going to need to learn how to fly a helicopter if she what wants to leave. Fuck? So, that put a whole thing on my day. <laughs> Damn. I had a nightmare the other night that I was at an Airbnb with my oh, mom. No. And... Well, with your mom is good, but at an Airbnb. Yes, at an Airbnb. And there was, like, a weird sound, and we're like, okay, it's just a weird noise, whatever. And then, like, it turned out that the back room was haunted, and it started Mm. flooding water, but the water was sticky. (laughs) Oh, the worst kind. And I was like, I don't don't care for this. I don't want to sleep here. And everybody's like, well, all the electronics on the block are out. Your car's probably not going to start. So I go to my car, and I try to push button it to start. My mom's like, it's not that big of a deal. We already paid for it. Let's just sleep here. And I'm like, I'm not sleeping here. So... People are gaslighting us in our dreams, and I don't appreciate it. What the fuck is that about? I hate it. So I get in my car, and I can feel that the ghost is, like, fucked with my car, and it won't turn on. And I'm like, joke's on you. I'm going to put it in neutral, roll it down this hill, and I'm just going to shift up and get the fuck out of here. And that's what I did. So in my dream, I could could properly drive stick. Amazing. (laughs) So in a way, it was great. I don't think anything spooky happened to me this week. Do you have any spooky dreams? I don't remember any of my dreams from this week. I was just in such a rush to, like, get the school year wrapped up <laughs> that I was just, like, yeah, all week you. was just, like, all right, let's do grades. Let's, let's do it. Let's do this. <laughs> well, speaking of spooky dreams, we have an update from Vivian from mm. a few episodes ago who sent us her weird sleep paralysis thing. Yeah, that, that was happened. really scary. Oh, wow. We were very worried about her, but she sent an update, Thank and God. apparently her sister has been having nightmares, too. Oh, no. It's not a good update. <laughs> one she remembered involved a man pushing her to the ground and choking her while everyone just watched with no emotion or concern, because gaslighting is a theme in everybody's dreams, apparently. Yeah. No. Oh god! <laughs> it's the worst part in the story too. Is that no, no one's doing anything? Yeah, everybody's just like, "Why are you making a big deal about it?" And Ugh. she said that it's probably nothing, but they have like <gasps> a choking someone choking someone as a nightmare. Like that's going around like, their that's family. The motif. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's upsetting. So Vivian, I hope nobody chokes you. You mentioned in your email you might look up some kind of cleansing sea thing, like sage. Yeah, white sage. White sage. That shit. Just- like, call the police. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to do. Hello, 911. I had a dream that a man was choking me. Oh, God. <laughs> Is that not the right answer? 
<laughs> no, it is. You're right. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> so Let's this week, we are having a LGBT ghost-focused episode. Yay! Yay. Um, and so it's like... We've got, what, stories that you guys wrote about the possibilities of LGBT ghosts, yes, like famous and icons, and what like. they would be like. I, I have a little bit of pop culture okay, put cool. together. And anything else? I found, I fell down a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and I would like to nominate the rabbit hole I fell down to the Julie Daubigny oh, club of badass ladies bisexuals. that we've never heard about. She isn't bisexual. Oh, she is not. a full-on a lesbian. lesbian. Cool. Yeah. she is a woman who loves women, and she's amazing. Cool. So, so if you missed our Julie Daubigny story, that was, what, the last episode? Two episodes Our ago. last full episode. Last full episode was about, was kind of like a teaser is just like this you know badass bisexual woman who stabs people kicked all sorts of ass and is my hero and for a while my display name on twitter was like julia dobney did nothing wrong she didn't Um, (laughs) she did nothing wrong wrong. she was just amazing but when when we were talking before about like oh what would lgbt ghosts be like in the afterlife and everything i was thinking about marcia p johnson and how she would just throw bricks at turfs yeah <laughs> that would be amazing that would be amazing think, someone's being a turf and then they all of a sudden get hit with like she's just the like, force of a brick you. and it's like ow why yeah. does my head hurt it's just Marsha p johnson sending ghost bricks <laughs> how about <laughs> fuck you yeah i like to think that she hangs around stonewall obviously yep. and mm-hmm. then anytime anybody's getting harassed or particularly if it's by an authority figure she just shows up and is like how about nah and just lobs a brick, <laughs> lobs a brick right she's there to I'm just protect imagining it's like ghosts so she can't pick up like a full brick so it's like gravel or something yeah. like but smaller still, pieces still <laughs> uncomfortable and still teaches you a damn lesson Marsha P. Johnson Aww. is looking out for all the baby That's trans right. kids just like little windows get broken in their house <laughs> And they're like, oh, yeah. please stop. And it's like, stop being a dick. I did yeah. see a thing on Twitter. So it says in broken glass. <laughs> stop being a dick. <laughs> I just see a thing on Twitter that suggested that we stop calling them TERFs mm. because TERF is easily banned and they're all dicks and they're it's not real feminism because I, if your feminism is another sexual, it isn't shit. Boom. And instead start calling them farts because it's a lot harder to, to hold it to, to block and to hold in yes and so that would be a feminism appropriating radical transphobe ah, and like fart try and block fart on social wow. media right you it's can't good. do it i tweet so, about my farts all the time exactly you can't do it so <laughs> wow. from now on they're known as farts i mean it also <laughs> expresses that they're much more like toxic they're stinky toxic. Yeah, they are toxic. yeah they're shitty shitty yeah they're I, shitty, I, shitty I, farts. I like the new uh, acronym. That's no, the new I'm acronym is farts. So you're welcome, everyone. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first from me on t- seeing it on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> anyway, oh, so the concept of LGBT co- ghosts as a topic for us was actually your idea, Mike. You messaged me and you were like, "A lot of horrible things happen to us. Maybe you guys could cover it as a topic. I'm sure some of us are ghosts." <laughs> <laughs> But I, I was a little sad when we started to look into it because of it, we have the same problem with ghosts that we do with history, which mm-hmm. is that like we got written out of the ghost game. Erasure. <laughs> like, it's a real problem. So I found the luck that I had was not in searching. Like if you search LGBT ghosts, nothing comes up. Mm-hmm. Right. But individual ghost stories will be like, this person was gay. This person was bi. And now they are also a ghost. <laughs> But they weren't identified as, like, if you search, like, gay ghost, they're not going to come up. But if you stumble across them, like, organically, it's like, and also they were gay. So it's like a footnote. Which is pretty pretty classic history bullshit. Yeah, like, if it wasn't for, like, modern historians who are starting to, like, 
you know, bring a lot of the stuff to the forefront, I wouldn't have known, you know, that there were, you know, gay people in the, what, Julie Dobney, yeah, right? Like, yeah. like, they've been around forever. They weren't invented forever, right? in 1950. Right. Oh, by the way, this person was gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this wasn't race. their special roommate that they had to yeah. share a room with yeah. for that, financial purposes. That was always my, my biggest thing when I was in, like, <laughs> high school doing research about, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, famous historic people. And it's like, and they lived with their roommate, who was also the same gender as they them. They never married. Yeah. These two gal pals shared a room. And it was like, Just oh, gals nice. being pals. Gals being pals. Oh, that's interesting, because my gay uncles have lived together, and they're gay, and they're two huh. men. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. Weird. Anyway. Hmm. <laughs> I did a project in the 10th grade on Virginia Woolf. Yep. And oh, the, me too. I did my Bridge yeah. project on Virginia Woolf, too. High five. High five. Yeah. So, I, I would read, high five. Over over the internet. <laughs> over the internet. <laughs> Clap. That's what it sounded like. I read a biography of Virginia Woolf and 10th grade straight Courtney was like, okay, this seems legit. Because in it, it's like she was afraid of sex with men and she didn't have sex with anybody because she was afraid of men and da 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 And she had a Wait, friend who no. was a gal. <laughs> and then, gal was her pal. And she had some gal pals, but like mostly she was a recluse and she hated everybody and whatever. She was just cray cray. And then even, you know, six years later as a senior, I took my capstone course in college on Virginia Woolf. And it's like, no, no, she was like openly bisexual. And the Bloomsbury group, everybody was fucking everybody. Did, did you watch um, The Hours when yes. you were doing your research? I did. And, and she I was kisses like, a woman. And she kisses like, a woman. And I was oh, like, that's just gal being pal. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh, <laughs> they're showing how crazy she was. She's just making out with women just because. <laughs> Meanwhile, 10th grade Sasha, who is a year younger than Courtney, so, like, a year later is also watching The Hours and puts in, like, as a sidebar in her, like, I I did allude to, like, I don't even think I love my husband. I love my friend who I like to kiss. (laughs) You know how you just kiss your friend sometimes? Yeah, I should add, 10th grade Courtney was also very sheltered. So, 10th grade Courtney didn't know shit about shit. It's okay. It's okay. We have our moments. I mean, I blame the public school system. And also, like, I read an official biography of her that was written by, like, a legit historian, and it very inaccurately portrayed her as someone who, like, did not like having sex with anybody. She wasn't into it. She was just nuts. And she sat in her room alone and was nuts all the time. Their historian card has been revoked. Yes, we're taking it away. I don't remember the name (laughs) of the historian, but it was bullshit. Like, it was a legit book that I checked out from a Mm -hmm. legit library. It wasn't internet research. I didn't go to, like, reddit.com slash bisexual erasure. (laughs) You didn't go to virginiawolf.com. Reddit.com or whatever. No, I did it. Although that is my favorite subreddit. <laughs> so, like, it's unsurprising that in our ghost stories, we have also done oh, yeah. a number to erase members of the LGBT community. And it was, it was a little sad for me when I was looking into, like, LGBT icons that I was like, oh, I don't know most of these people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, that I had never heard of. I mean, like, I knew about, like, uh, you know, like Harvey Milk and uh, Marsha P. Johnson. But, like, yeah, yeah. much beyond that, I was like, I don't know who that is. Hang on, let me like look into this. Yeah, yeah. which I just I, I the other Sad. thing I'm looking forward to is like textually gay people. Like none yes. of this like Dumbledore afterwards nonsense. Right. Was like oh yeah, he We're was not probably gay. This. We're, We're not, not Dumbledore doing this. We're not no. Dumbledore doing this. God damn it! So there are some haunted gay bars. I dug really hard to try and find you a haunted Chicago gay bar. I want it so bad. I don't think there is one, but there are a number of gay bars in Chicago that do special events around Halloween. So look I'll for those that. this Halloween. 
And then report back to And us. then report back. Like, one <laughs> does, like, right. a full haunted house, and, like, a couple do, like, haunted-themed drag shows and stuff. So there is stuff for you to do in Chicago not that is gay and spooky, but not it's not, We like, burned the city to the ground once. How is there not a single gay ghost in all Chicago? The we're like, we have made our peace with dying this way, and we're going to move on. <laughs> I just... Yeah, I was like, oh, we burned. Okay. Anyway... I wonder what kind of Halloween events the gay bars around here do. And now I'm like, I can only imagine. Yes. Like, (laughs) you just got to look for Mm. them around Halloween. Okay. I bet everybody who's listening, all of your towns probably have some sort of like gay Halloween event. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the gays turn Halloween out correctly. (laughs) My my current way to do Halloween that I'm a really big fan of is uh, take something innocuous and make it slutty, which I think Mm -hmm. is really fun. Yes. Uh, I went to Slutty Waluigi last year. Yes, I remember helping you. I was a consultation on that. It was (laughs) a choice. I was Luigi for Summerween last year. You were, but not the way... uh, No, you you were regularly Luigi. I was just regular Luigi. Mike was super slutty Waluigi featuring a purple crop top. (laughs) But See no, but then that's like the really. I was just a very like con, like like conservative, like conservative Luigi, very antsy or whatever. Nice. And then my altar. <laughs> See what you need Luigi. is to be that with like a tearaway. <laughs> Did you end up doing? I found you some overalls, like some women's overall booty shorts. Did you end up doing those, or did you end up just doing regular booty shorts? Just my regular booty shorts. I was starting to starting to realize how much of an investment I was racking up on yeah. the Waluigi front. Yeah, but how often are you gonna wear? Overall booty shorts constantly. That's true. Constantly. Wear him right now. For the it's summer. <laughs> yeah. What else are you gonna wear, Mike? <laughs> good point. Good point. Anyway, sadly, no haunted gay bars in Chicago that I can find. I appreciate find. the effort. Anyway, New Orleans has the Jimani Bar, which is a revamp. I was gonna guess New Orleans. I yeah, mean, that does right. seem like New a place Orleans has everything. Stuff going on. And we did talk about one gay bar in our New Orleans episode or our restaurant episode because restaurant they episode. have the ghost of a freed slave that everybody called Ma, and she essentially, like, haunts the grounds and... Is that what that movie's about? No, no. Ma is something completely, completely different. Oh, okay. But it would be better if it were about her, because her ghost <laughs> now pops up just to be like, I just want to make sure everybody's doing good, everybody's staying hydrated, okay, cool, bye! <laughs> oh, like, she's so nice. just like a chill ghost in New Orleans. <laughs> By the way, if anyone has seen Ma, let me know, because I am scared of scary movies, but I've been trying to read, like, every single piece of, like, analysis and, I'm like, intrigued by the concept research of research about... Oh, I, I will not be watching that, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, There's it was, a it, scene in the trailer where she sews someone's lips up, and I was done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, bye! <laughs> <laughs> and Mike was like, oh, look at the time, I yeah. gotta go. <laughs> it's very intriguing. I want to hear people who've actually, like, seen it. I like, like the concept of making it a horror movie of an adult wanting to hang out with teenagers. Well, because so that, frequently it's deeper than that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's about racism and bullying. Oh, nice. And, like past trauma. Ooh. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, now I'm super on board, but I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, on board what from a shame. <laughs> I'm just like, good job, Ma. <laughs> That's as close as I'll get. Anyway, Jamani now it's just like it's like a straight sports bar. Like, I don't think it's explicitly, like, a straight bar, but it's not, like, a gay bar. It's just, like, The number of times that this happens to a gay bar is obscene. And it's particularly upsetting because the building it's in and why I'm including it on my list of haunted gay bars is it's the site of the Upstairs Lounge, and it was a well-known gay bar in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Unfortunately, because it was a well-known gay bar in the French Quarter of New Orleans... Somebody committed a homophobic hate crime. No. Oh, no. Yeah. On June 24th, 1973, more than 50 people were in the bar just having, you know, a great time 
based on different oh. accounts. I don't know if it was both men and women, just men, because there are a couple different accounts. But it was it was somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty people were just hanging out. Let me guess, there was a raid or no? No, no it was just murder. First. Worse than that. Uh. Somebody set it on fire. <gasps> And they placed the, it's called the upstairs lounge, as the name would imply. It's not on the first floor. And so the only exit out of there were the stairs, and that's where they placed the incendiary device. So the stairs caught on fire. So all these people are now trapped. And because they had bars on the windows, probably just as like a generic, this is a city deterrent to crime. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're not in good neighborhoods. So, right. (laughs) And so between the bars on the windows, like people weren't able to get out. Probably around 20 people got out, but 32 people were oh, trapped. God. Because they, when you know, was there this? Are, yeah. this was 1973. Oh, so yeah. it wasn't like 1820. This was like when we should have known about fire escapes, but apparently we did not. So because the clientele was the LGBT community, the cops took it super seriously. Just kidding. They super didn't. Yep. They, there was this belief that like, oh, well, those people got what they deserved. So they were just like, whatever. And so they like barely investigated the arson. They got as far as naming a suspect whose name was Roger Dale Nunez, but he was never convicted. I don't, as far as I could tell, he was never even like brought up on charges. They were just like, yeah, we think he did it. And he ended up killing himself. He probably bragged about it. Like nobody gives a shit. Exactly. Because it was the time when they were like, these people don't matter. Who cares if they burned? I mean, the police was doing similar shit. So yeah. So they were like, great. Well, less crime for us to commit. Stowell is not like a random person. It's the police. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So Nunez ended up killing himself in 1974 anyway. So it's not even like we could talk to him about it and be like, hey, did you do this? And like charge him now because he killed 32 people. And there's no statute of limitations on murder. But he killed himself, so we don't know what the deal is. It's probably safe to assume it's just your garden variety hate crime. Mm-hmm. He was probably just an asshole who knew the yeah. upstairs lounge was a safe space for members of the LGBT community and decided it deserved to burn. But they basically, Jimani, the boring sports bar, bought the building, revamped it. And even though now it's just like, it's pretty standard. Most people go in and they're fine. They don't feel anything. But it still has its paranormal reputation. So they've done the like EVP, which is the yeah, thing yeah. that skips through the channels. And they've recorded voices of those who have died in the fire. And they say, they're, it's really sad. They say their names and they say that all they want is to be remembered because they feel like their deaths Aww. were forgotten. And it's so fucking sad. That's so sad. Some people have even reported seeing an apparition walking the second floor of the Jamani, which will basically, like, it walks the floor and then it disappears. But that's that's a lot more oh, rare. Oh, wow. Wow. And that's New Orleans' former gay bar, now haunted straight bar, the Jamani. <laughs> the Jamani. I, th- I think I forgot, in order for it to be haunted, that something terrible has to happen. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I will say, <laughs> the rabbit hole I fell down... Nothing objective, like nothing as horrible as this happens. Mm. Like it's, it's a pretty chill death to lead to the ghost. And generally she had a cool life. And also like all the research that I did about this, what part of what makes it so upsetting, it was, it was the deadliest massacre of the LGBT community until Pulse. Oh, wow. Because 32 people died. I mean, that's just one of the things I was thinking about a little bit with ghost Mm -hmm. stories. Because in many ways, ghost stories are how we sort of keep memory alive about Mm -hmm. somebody. And that way, I kind of like the idea of there being, like, this ghost story to be able to remind people that this happened before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there is something about, like, 
in preparing for this, I was like, people I'm not going to talk about is like Pulse. I'm not going to talk about Matthew Shepard. Mm-hmm, like, right. That just seemed super off limits to me to talk yeah. about. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like to think about like all the people, like, yeah, to, to get a ghost, it's usually something someone, horrible. something horrible happened and very rarely yeah. something good, you know, not, not good, but like just a, the, a person who died. They lived a big life. They lived so a big life and they died, you know, of old age and they just decided to continue to haunt whatever they, place. They had <laughs> such a big life. They wanted to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, like, that's basically what I have for my person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. the second gay bar, I have that. Yeah. So this is nice. the sad yeah. one, and then we're going to build back up build and have back. a okay. good, talk. Good, good. But tell me a fun story, tell Mike. Tell me a fun story. Wow. <laughs> we're all sad now. This is, gonna be this is super a paranormal ch- comedy podcast. I kind of like, am now like, worried that this theme is going to come across very differently than it was in my mind. Aww. That's okay. We're going to bring it back up. We're going to bring okay. it back up. We're going to just do it. <laughs> all right. We've, so had our, we've had our depressive dip in, like, most episodes have a depressive dip. We did. Okay. And now we're bringing it back up. All right. like... It's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, part of what makes you appreciate comedy is because you know sad things have happened. And that's, that's why true. in troubled times people run to comedy because it's like, everything's shit, I just want to laugh. Yeah. yeah. And that's why there's that rumor that like, everybody who's good at comedy is super sad on the inside and whatever. So this is our super sad on the inside before mm-hmm. we build back up to funny. Yes. Well, and I'm, and I'm glad that we're remembering these people who went through this tragedy. Like, I think yes, that, that's... Exactly. That's important. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, and that's the that's their whole ghostly desire, right? Is for someone to to remember to them. remember so them. Yeah. Nice. So we remember the victims of the upstairs lounge fire. Fuck the so, arsonist. Fuck right. that investigation. That person, we can all forget his name because no one yeah. cares about that guy. <laughs> Already forgotten. That guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so on to an extraordinarily different topic. Yay! Um, <laughs> I want to talk to you guys about <laughs> Gay Spur of the Babadook and Ursula. Yes, yes. my favorite. Ba- the Duke yes. is like my favorite gay icon. So just just to be clear, I have not seen the movie The Babadook, so I actually don't oh, know me what neither. happens in that story. I uh, know what happens, I've but just I have read everything seen about it. it. Okay. Yeah, I maintain that he's a Pokemon because all he says is his name. Uh, he just Babadook, Duk, Duk, and I'm like, he's a Pokemon. That's a Pokemon. Like a Pokemon. Name. Yeah, and they have ghost type Pokemon. Exactly, that's what the Babadook is. Babadook. That's so, why uh, Jack quick, quick explanatory oh, comma on the, on the three folks I mentioned, just to, in case any of your <laughs> listeners have not heard about this stuff. Uh, so, Gaysburg came 2019. Uh, it came from a tweet from the far-right political party in Spain, uh, which showed... <laughs> That's the best thing they've ever given us. Everything else <laughs> has been garbage. The only thing they ever gave to us. Right? <laughs> Everything else has been absolute trash. <laughs> Uh, only it, thing. it shows Aragon from Lord of the Rings protecting Spain from an army of like orcs and stuff, but it's just symbols of like feminism and like communism, anarchy and stuff. <laughs> it's a and really anyway, funny image here. In this picture, <laughs> one of the horde icons is a rainbow bedazzled ghost. Gaysper. Gaysper, which the, the gays immediately adopted, and we all love him. <laughs> well, to be fair. He's a cute motherfucker. Oh my god, that's oh, really he's cute. Oh, he's adorable. Look how cute yeah, that is. Look so how cute he is. We'll post a picture on the Instagram, but he's just so god. cute. I love him. So this gay <laughs> ghost is And if you, uh, if you check out uh, Queer Ghostbusters, he's the guy that's emblazoned oh. on the side of the car. Oh my god. <laughs> also, yes. Spain's far right party, unsurprisingly, bunch of party poopers, they deleted the whole image. I was trying to pull it up so that we could look at all of the things that were in it. They deleted it. I, so I did a little bit of investigating. I, there is somebody who captured a snap of it, and it Thank is God. very good. 
And people have, like, made versions of gay-spur for all members of the LGBT oh community. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you've got lesb-spur, bi-spur, trans-spur, inter-spur, fluid-spur. It's so cute. Like, yeah. it's so cute. I can't handle how cute it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> gay-spur oh. is excellent. There it is. Um, Oh my god! <laughs> it's like the dumbest. It's like the dumbest graphic design is my passion. MS Paint bullshit. By the way, thank you for introducing me to queer ghost hunters. You're oh, yes. so welcome. Oh my god! <laughs> they, if, for those who aren't aware, the queer ghost hunters they basically go into spaces and try to find exclusively queer ghosts. That's awesome. I just <laughs> I like the listing of it. Like they're, you know, this person identifies as you know cis. This person identifies as trans. What if it just like identifies as bear? And I was like, that is not the same thing as the other pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, continue. Sorry. We we went uh, on a little sidetrack because this is so cute. So the uh, the Babadook it came out uh, came to sort not came out but came out as a meme in 2017 when Netflix algorithm accidentally placed it with the LGBT movies section yes. on Netflix. Yes. Uh, the gays then immediately adopted the Babadook, creating all sorts of wonderful memes uh, with Babadook decked out in rainbow and cut into episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, and getting cool T-shirts saying "Get ready to be Babashook." Yes. Uh, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. That is. You can't say things like that when I'm drinking a smoothie. <laughs> I had my word doc up. I couldn't see you. I'm sorry. Um, and so uh, recently, I don't know if you guys saw this. It's excellent. Uh, the Babadook released a rainbow DVD edition of the movie The Babadook. Oh, my God. Just to, like let everybody know that they're on board with they're this meme, I guess. This. Yes. So, again, we have like horror person that the gays have like taken on as, as our own. I had some friends of mine who posted, they were like, just got the rainbow edition of the Babadook, like, hashtag gay, hashtag gay bear. And I was like, wait, is the Babadook a gay bear? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I haven't seen the film. (laughs) So uh, the final one would be, like, Ursula, obviously from 1989. The villainous, perhaps misunderstood sea witch in The Little Mermaid, who helps poor unfortunate souls in pain and need. So it was, in fact, inspired by the drag queen Divine. Of course, mm-hmm. since then, has like inspired many a drag look. Uh, Poor unfortunate mm-hmm. souls have been sung in a ton of gay bars by at least George Shirley. Um, yes. So, yes. Like, I, I, I would say it. Ursula is also sort of like brought into the gay pantheon. Mm-hmm. So, relatedly, I want to give you guys a quick overview of the concept of queer coding. Have you guys heard yes. of this mm-hmm. term before? Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's when the audience is supposed to, to get that somebody's gay without it being ever said explicitly. And so imagine sort of like a lot of movies where they're like, you know, he's the really fastidious friend. Wink. Set. He never has a girlfriend. Right. <laughs> he's a permanent bachelor. You know how that is. Um, <laughs> so uh, that actually came out of the motion picture production codes, the Hade, also known as the Hayes Code, which is a list of moral restrictions that movies about what movies could and couldn't cover. And obviously that included... That's also where I Love Lucy, like, you have to have one foot on the ground came from the Hayes Code. Yeah. Uh, you're not allowed you to, like, say pregnant. swear in certain mm. ways. Now, of course, any sort of sexual depravity. Uh, oh, is that why, like, they would always put married couples in two separate beds? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's oh, okay. also from the Hayes Code. Like, all wow. of this very yeah. restrictive uh, stuff about, like, what you could and couldn't show in movies came from, from this Hayes Code. Mm. In 1980s, it was gone. Uh, but in the meantime, they've sort of been winking at this for a while like imagine that they're trying to depict that someone is you know someone that's that's that is Peculiar. out of the normal and is, is weird in some way uh, Peculiar. And, Peculiar. 
it's pe- peculiar, yes. Uh, and that would be one of their ways would be to uh, to just indicate that they would be uh, an LGBT person. Relatedly, and uh, it wasn't until 1987 that the homosexuality was finally removed from the DSM. And so it was hey. often shorthand for like, look, this person's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're uh, an axe murderer. You can tell because they're a cross-dresser. And so in many ways, it's sort of seen like because queerness was seen as like the bad thing it set the hero up to be the good thing to be able to like eradicate the bad thing and so yeah. like a lot of <laughs> the queer coding comes from indicating that they're the bad thing for the hero to go abolish mm-hmm. uh, there is a moment in bringing up maybe <laughs> i'm pulling it up so that i can quote it properly because being gay was in the dsm there was an improvised moment where gary grant's character is in like this fluffy pink bathrobe and someone's like, oh, my God, what's, what, what, what is wrong with you? And he goes, I've gone gay all of a sudden. <laughs> and it was what movie is this from? Bringing Up Baby. Bringing Up Baby. It's a very silly movie. They raise a tiger, right? That's the, uh, it's no. a leopard. A leopard. But they yes, raise, right. there's a leopard. Catherine Hepburn decides she's in love with Cary Grant, like, the second she sees him and just, like, harasses him into dating her. Wow. Which is how I've lived my life, and it's worked. <laughs> nice. So don't take it away from me. <laughs> it's my move. <laughs> It's, it's my move. I saw that movie and I was like, this is how you get boys to like you. I'm in. But it's the only use of gay to mean homosexual in a Hollywood film of that era. Oh, wow. And some historians have suggested that it's Screen's first use of gay in a sexual context. And mm. it's just because Cary Grant just like in this one moment said, I've gone gay all of a sudden. And it slipped past the PCA probably because it was improvised. So they didn't, they only read the script and oh, okay. didn't watch the movie probably. Yeah. Was Car- Cary Grant was gay, right? He was likely bisexual. Bisexual, okay. Yes. Um, his daughter has said that he was bisexual and that she knew his boyfriend, oh, okay. but That's he helpful. was not out in any capacity. Yeah. Your mention of the DSM actually just reminded me, in my queer lit and history class that I took um, in college, we had a weekly movie component, and so we watched movies. What a cool like, class. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was great. It was a great and de- shout out to Don. Yeah, Don. Oh, I love Don. It was it was a sad like mo- most of the course was really sad because a lot of literature up until like the last decade that has to do with gay people always ends in like trauma and like oh, yeah. death and heartbreak. <laughs> and so we watched a lot of films from like the 20th century, like the, the few rare films that like dealt with the queer community openly. Um, there was a, a Audrey Hepburn movie mm-hmm. where she was she and like another woman were accused of being lesbians and da 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 da. It was really depressing. And then we watched some documentaries. And then I think we also watched. But I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> like trying to like bring it up. Um, but I'm Don was like, this is so good. Actually, no. That was the first movie we watched, and she says that's the happiest thing we're gonna watch this whole semester. <laughs> it's all downhill and it went from all here. downhill from there. We watched Bent, which is the Holocaust gay movie, oh, and Jesus. like just all a bunch of oh my god. But um, I was just thinking about like they thought I'm that a cheerleader had... in the same curriculum, <laughs> right? <laughs> but there was like. I was thinking about that that Audrey Hepburn movie. I can't think of the title of it now, but yeah, that they were everyone was like, "Oh, they're crazy," and da 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 da, and like they were trying to prove that they weren't gay. Yeah. Right? But then it made them seem even crazier. Right. Like, well, and, so that was, yeah. and they also, but part of the Hays Code was that it, you were allowed to have somebody who was like wink, probably gay, as long as yeah. they got like killed at the end. 
Yeah. Yep. In the oh. Maltese Falcon, Peter Lorre's character is allegedly represented as being gay. Like, and that was oh, their way of, yep. because he has this cane that he handles in a very particular oh, yeah. way. But also Peter Lorre was... And also Peter Lorre's Peter super creepy Lorre. and he's the one that I, I heard that in the book that it's explicitly is gay, but in the movie they it, had to... I believe it, but in the film they're just like, tone it down, tone it down. Yeah, this and was the toned down version. <laughs> and I don't think he dies in it, but he does get like severely punished and yeah. whatever. And he's portrayed as being this, like, very, like, weak and flimsy, like, easily gets his shit taken. Like, at one point, I think he pulls a gun on Humphrey Bogart, and Humphrey Bogart just kind of, like, takes it away. Like, there's not a struggle. He's just like, give me that. And he's like, oh, no, my gun. It's very strange. (laughs) Oh, no. I was surprised. I tried to, like, see what other people had thought about this, but couldn't seem to find any sort of, like, think pieces that would would attach these two things. Because here are two things that I know. I know that queer coding was sort of not meant for us to be like, and they're the best one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I also know there's plenty of people, like uh, there's a ton of support for those characters in the LGBT community. <laughs> like right. we love Gaysper. We love the Babadook. We love Ursula. Like all of those characters who got coded as gay, we're like, no, actually we're kind of on their team. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how to like deal with those two things together. And I, I came up with three reasons that, that those characters might be embraced by the LGBT community. Thing one, they're maligned for just being who they are. Most of those characters, like, like Ursula was a sea witch before she did anything. Right. <laughs> like, she was already in trouble. Like, the Babadook <laughs> can't really not be a Babadook. <laughs> right? Like, the ghost is going to be a ghost. Like, they didn't actually do any... Like, they're, you know... It is their identity as, a, as an existing... I almost said person, but that doesn't qualify for a lot of the entity. <laughs> entity, yeah, that uh, that is what's getting them into trouble, and uh, I think queer people sort of like identify with that. Hmm. Um, where it was like I was just out here trying to trying to be. Yeah. Um, second is that they're unapologetic outsiders. Most of them can't pass. Like mm-hmm. I, most of the people that like we're talking about aren't like hanging out with everybody. Yeah, they're not like mask for mask gay people. <laughs> like that's not. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking like you know, like they're they're flamboyant. They're you know strange. They're interesting. And they're they're sort of they're open about who they are, even mm-hmm. though that often comes to their detriment, which is sort of like mm-hmm. heroic in its own way. And finally, most of them are powerful and get really cool songs. <laughs> and so <laughs> like you know they have like they have our moment in the sun in a really cool way. I. I have. I don't know if this applies to all of them, at least, but a lot of those characters have sort of a uh, almost a revisionist history that comes with them, where it's like maybe they were right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I, I was reading about Ursula, and they were saying like, isn't the real villain here the patriarchy? Like, yes. <laughs> yes, it's men telling women what to do with their bodies, right? And being like, I only liked you because you were a prop that literally could not communicate with me. Yeah, kind of. Isn't Prince Eric kind of the worst in this one? He's kind of terrible. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I just looked looked up an article from um, Pride dot com about like queer coded Disney or uh, cartoon characters, mm-hmm. and Ursula was number one. Yes! Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. And then the next one was actually almost every Disney villain. Because <laughs> you get like Ursula, um, comma everyone, everyone. Scar, yeah, who you, just like hangs out in his own cave. Oh, Maleficent, Scar might be my favorite. <laughs> childless. You know, yeah. single woman mm-hmm. trying to get everything. Absolutely. Probably has a gal pal back home in her dark castle. <laughs> Radigan. Yeah. Who's Radigan? Yeah. Rad- From the Great Mouse Detective. He's got a little buddy. He's this big, like, burly, scary monster and, guy. And to, He's got a little evil uh, husband. The human version of Radigan, Ratcliffe, from <laughs> Pocahontas. 
And like his little hench guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. his little, little hench guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yet, the, yeah, and little, yet, Lefou is who they give us. Like what? Right. Yeah, come on. You can um, give him back. I want like Scar or somebody. <laughs> Prince John. Have you guys seen Moana? Yes. Yeah. yeah the big cr- uh, crab played by um, yes. Jermaine Clement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will take flamboyant. Prince John any day. I have your Halloween costume. <laughs> oh my God, year. Prince John and would be an excellent for... look. I would be so excited. Just like bedazzle everything. So get your booty shorts out, bedazzle those, mm-hmm. bedazzle crop top, mm-hmm. boom. The very obviously one, uh, queer coded one, him from Powerpuff Girls. Oh, obviously. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah he, no question. Yeah, yeah there's no question For about that. Sure. Um, they put Jareth from Labyrinth on here because. Wait, David Bowie's yeah. character? Dave, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dave, yeah, David yeah, Bowie. You're like, I mean, yeah. Obviously. Like, some of these, um, I'm wondering if they're coded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? No, some of these are just obvious because when, when they said, like, Frankenfurter is on there, it's like, no fucking shit. <laughs> oh my god, hold on, hold on, hold on. You mean the guy in the bustier and the thigh-high boots? Is right. it straight? Right? Or what, um, he built himself, like, a sexy young man play thing? They, See, that's I'm my puzzled. way of doing it. You were talking about your way of learning. I just make them myself. They <laughs> <laughs> oh. also included, like, James from Pokemon. James? James, you know, Jesse and James, Team Rocket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. always in he's drag. He's always in drag. And then they put the Joker in some of his iterations. Can be queer-coded. Yeah. Okay. Depends. I see Probably that. not. Yeah. Yeah, right, man. Um, but then they also include, and I need, I don't watch, I don't watch Naruto, so I have no idea, but they said Orochimaru from, sure. from Naruto, and I was like, I didn't know that there were any queer-coded characters <laughs> in this anime. I, if you I watch Naruto, know. report back. Yeah. I'm not, it, I'm it not deep in the anime the scene. The character even disguises themselves as a young woman and keeps a harem of young, powerful men around them. Excellent. Who among us, though? I mean, who among us doesn't? Which I, but I was just very surprised. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little conflicted about how to feel. Because on the one hand, like, I'm super on board with taking on these like super powerful, cool, queer-coded villains. But like, yeah. they're definitely queer-coded to like make you not like them. Right. Yeah, to make you be like, oh, okay, I get it. If I'm gay, I'm a villain. But that's why I really like the like, kind of modern children's cartoons, especially like I think Steven Universe is one oh, yeah. where like there's so much, like so many like positive LGBT themes in that, mm-hmm. and like the good people are gay, right? Like, yeah. and so like they're they're trying to like tamp that. <laughs> like, I, I, I was like <laughs> checking out this one thing on Feminist Frequency that was talking about mm-hmm. uh, queer coding, and uh, one of her points that I thought was really interesting was like. It's not that we don't want them to be villains. We just don't want the reason that they're villainous to be that they're gay. That they're gay. Mm-hmm. Like, we want, like, a gay villain that's, like, out for money or blood or something. Like, regular yeah. things. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> not just because, like, they like someone yeah. who is the same sex. Is that, who cares? Yeah. That part, whatever. They're not evil because... Dominate the world because you want to. Yeah. They're not evil because they're gay. They're evil because they're, like... They want to regular evil. They yeah. want to take over the world. They're regular evil. <laughs> they're and just, then also, they their side gay. piece... <laughs> Indicates that they're gay. Like it's yeah. fine. It just reminds you can have, me like, of the, a gay uh... superhero going against a gay supervillain. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, somebody called Marvel. <laughs> I, I would be down for that. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the Midnighter. Do you guys know the Midnighter? Mm-mm. So he's basically gay Batman, but like, <gasps> nice. One thing that's a little bit different than between him and Batman, uh, he's super open to murder. <laughs> like, very open to like graphic violence, and I was like. <laughs> I like that there's two differences between you and Batman. <laughs> you're gay and you're prone to murder. Oh, like, a lot of, like, those, like, stills of him are just, like, teeth covered in blood. Like, he's just, like, crazy murder guy. I will throw this out there, though. Batman could 
be argued to be queer coded. He spends all of his time alone in a cave, with, a, in a cave with an older gentleman who takes care of him. I thought you were going to talk about Robin. <laughs> I was surprised no. you think it's with Alfred. Robin is their son that they adopt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's not doing anything to Robin. That's his son. But Alfred takes sure. care of him in their little cave. Yeah. And like ladies come and go, but Alfred is. Ladies come and go, but Alfred is forever. <laughs> Ooh, Xena yes. is included as a queer-coded hero. She is, and like I, I think that's pretty cool. Like I think it, between her and Gabrielle, I think that's pretty rad. Lando, just because he has Star a cape, Wars? or because he has a cape. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's got it. I will say, apparently, in the solo movie, they pretty he's he's sexually involved with a robot, but it is a lady robot. Mm. I don't know what sexuality that makes you. And then apparently, spoilers, spoilers for Solo, this is why I'm never going to watch it, uh, skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear them, but apparently that robot dies and her spirit is put into the Millennium Falcon. So Weird. Yeah. What? I don't know why Solo happened. We didn't need it. We didn't need, I didn't need is to that know the point all of this about who? Lando. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I like to think it is, but no, it's justified like, no, Han Solo was always doing the right thing. He wasn't a rapscallion who experiences character growth, because who would want an interesting story like that? Fuck that, it's bullshit. That's I'm mad about it. Oaken um, from Frozen. Yoo-hoo! Hello, me! <laughs> <laughs> He's a positive queer character. See, Timon and Pumbaa, Yogan, they're but just him slutty, I think, is like an excellent a costume Boom. opportunity. <laughs> we'll get you some Lederhosen. You can wear your booty shorts again. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa, they're just two guys trying to raise their just lion sons. Yeah. Just two bros. I was trying to think of what the yeah. alliterative thing for like gals being pals, but like bros being... Hoes? <laughs> that's all I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's the only thing that works. Gals being pals, bros being hoes. Oh my god, the Bucky and Pronk from Zootopia, the, the gazelles who live next door to, to Judy Hopps. I thought you were like, going to say Bucky and window. Captain America. <laughs> Oh, oh well, well, yes. I mean, obviously. <laughs> but the co-director actually said they are a gay married couple. Yay! They, they don't yell at each other because they're gay. They yell because they're real. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but this is another one where it's like, oh, yeah, the director said in post that they're gay, in but post, it's not yeah. a big fucking thing. Yeah. Elsa <laughs> is included there. Kronk and Yzma. So I wonder if some if, I wonder if some of these are people like this is what lack of representation does. And you're yeah, just like just projecting. We're like, yeah, I like that. Person. Hungry for content. Gay. Lando has a cape. Maybe he's gay. Like <laughs> M- Merida because she wants to t- marry well, herself she, yeah, and not she doesn't want to marry a boy. boy. Yeah, but that could also just be because she's a child. Who's she's like, a child. I have my own shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> I just I, I keep thinking back to that Eddie Izzard thing with the uh, he's an executive transvestite. So like you know there was some you know murderer a guy that they found underneath a bridge and they also found that he had like a ton of women's shoes and they're like it must be because he was a transvestite and he's like yeah weirdo transvestite <laughs> executive transvestite totally different thing <laughs> like, so for it to not be the reason that you're the murderer or whatever would be yeah. really helpful <laughs> Oy. Oy. all right are we ready to hear that about- was a rabbit hole that we, yeah, yeah, sorry. we just <laughs> okay. like- are we ready for a quick gay bar yes yes okay so, in Boston, you have Jacques Cabaret. Oh, It's a gay bar in Bay Village, mm-hmm. which is a surprisingly difficult thing to say now that I say it out loud, a gay bar in Bay Village. Gay bar, Bay Village. See? Wow. Yep. By the yeah. seashore. <laughs> so, Jacques started out as a boring straight bar in 1938, but was reinvented as a gay bar only two years after its inception. So, they were like, this sucks. Let's make it better. I mean... 
<laughs> is it weird that Jacques already sounds like a gay bar? Like a little right? bit? I, was like, I mean, it was already Jacques Cabaret. Oh, wow. Like, what, how was That's that not, not already a gay bar? That's the greatest name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, after it became a gay bar, in the 60s and 70s, it was predominantly like a lesbian and women-loving women kind of bar. So they would go, they'd drink, they'd kick back, they'd hit on ladies, everybody would have a grand old time. But at some point between the 70s and the 90s, it became a proper cabaret complete with drag shows and now the requisite bachelorette party that have to take over all safe spaces, not meant for them, but that's fine. Rip Nellies. Yeah. <sighs> Nellies. Yeah. Every time I walk past Speaking Nellies, of I want to yell, into sports women, come bars. on. <laughs> right, gay yeah. bars that turn into sports bars. That come are, on. Yeah. Rip like, Nellies. Straight women, listen to me as another straight woman. It's not for us. <laughs> I understand why we like it. It's not for us. Find someplace else. Come with supervision. And if, if no bachelor parties ever came, I feel like regular women would have like an easier time. Bachelor parties right. are always nonsense and crazy. No. Anyway, Jacques is now also haunted. There you go. Jim, there we, there go. we go. Jim Laletta. I don't know why I said Jim. I'm still Jim. on Jacques. Jim? Jim. Je m'appelle Jim. <laughs> He's a Boston-based comedian, and he was doing stand-up in 2010 at Jacques. And he was walking around the club one night, and he found himself in the basement. He kind of felt uneasy, but he's like, that's fine. I'm just hanging out in a basement like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> and then he saw something out of the corner of his eye, a drag queen fully decked out. And he's like, who is down here with me? <laughs> and he turned, and the figure vanished without a trace. But Jim had gotten enough of a look and felt enough of the ghost's quote, bit of an attitude. Do you mean look like L-E-W-K or? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to say yes because of who he says it is. He says that it was the ghost of the, quote, bitch of Boston, a.k.a. Sylvia Sidney, the drag alter ego of Sidney Sushman. Very good. Sydney had been one of the first well-known drag acts in Boston starting his career in 1947 at age 17 when people were super not chill about the whole mm -hmm. drag thing. Mm -mm. But he was like, I'm a fucking do it. And he was such a trailblazer that he would perform as Sylvia even at other venues. So he started out at Jacques, but he also would do traditionally straight bars and mainstream light clubs. Wow. Because he was such a big deal. People were like, hell yeah, bring Sylvia out. Good for you, sis. Right? Before his death in 1998, Sidney was interviewed by the History Project and asked how he wanted to be remembered. And he said, quote, as a fun-loving, outspoken homosexual who spoke his mind. You know, same. <laughs> right? <laughs> Apparently, his ghost still frequents one of his haunts from his life by hanging out at Jacques and occasionally surprising visiting acts. See, that's the kind of ghost we all aspire to be. Right? Kind of great life. And, and then it's just like, I'm just scene stealing. Like, right? Yeah, just like, hello, it's me. But there's also maybe a couple other not drag ghosts that haunt Jacques. Wait, because... so what, is, the, is his apparition just like showing up and being like, hey, and then leaving? Or? Yeah, okay. he just kind of pops up. As far as I can tell, that's that's pretty much. She doesn't collect tips or anything. Like, come on. <laughs> no, she's just like, it's me. That's right. Dust. And it, and she was never seen in the same look twice. Like, yes, exactly. Can you imagine that? Ugh, goals. Yes. Be seen in this there... again. I'd rather drop dead. Come on. <laughs> so. Oh wait, I'm a ghost. <laughs> we just invented airplane, a catchphrase. <laughs> so. On a more downer note, because uh -oh. I'm a super downer, and then I'll bring us back up. Yeah. This, Jacques is also haunted because of the infamous Coconut Grove nightclub fire. Oh, Why is there one? always a nightclub okay. fire? 
To be fair, this was not a gay nightclub. This was a mafia haunt in Boston. If you go back to our anniversary oh, episode yeah. when Maxwell told a story, he knew he met someone whose grandparents were supposed to go to the yes, coconut grove yeah, the night yeah, it burned down. Yeah. I was just thinking when you said another nightclub fire, there's that episode of The Simpsons, I can't remember which one, but Homer's at like a lesbian club mm-hmm. and he's looking around, he goes, something feels wrong. And he's looking around, just like all women, right? And he's like, and they're all like, you know, hanging out and dancing and everything. He's like, something's wrong. Something doesn't feel right. And he realizes, there's no fire exits. <laughs> Homer knows what's up. <laughs> Homer knows what's up. Homer Always check for fire up. escapes and no fire exits fire in the nightclubs. <laughs> if you're not familiar, the Coconut Grove fire was the worst nightclub fire in America. Mm-hmm. It happened in 1942 and claimed the lives of nearly 500 people in the 15 minutes it took to burn down. Jesus, that's really fast. Right? It just like went. And Oof. since it was like a mafia nightclub, I'm wondering if it wasn't like inter-mafia conflict or something. I don't know. I didn't do a ton of research into it. But because of the high number of casualties, a number of local businesses were taking in survivors. And then some of them, like Jacques, were makeshift morgues. So they were just like, we need to put these bodies someplace while we identify them and sort through everything. So we're borrowing you because you're right by where this nightclub burned down. So we just plopped some dead people in there. So maybe it's also haunted because of that. (laughs) Whoops. So wait, so what is Whoops. the, what kind of haunting do they get in Jacques? I didn't find specific, I mean, I didn't find specifics about other incidents. It's just people report like they feel creepy and they, a lot of people are like, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Mm. And only our buddy Jim was super specific and said it was the bitch of Boston. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I like to think that most of it is the bitch of Boston. And then yeah. some of it is like sad nightclub. Fire. Well, uh, on a happy note, now she has an time. audience. Exactly. She does have an audience. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Sydney, who is, I'm quoting him again, as a fun-loving, outspoken homosexual who spoke his mind. Shout out to that fun-loving, open-minded homosexual. But, I mean, honestly, Poor that sounds like a pretty good tombstone. Souls. Like, I'll take right? it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, that's, everyone should aspire to be like that. Right? Yeah. And that's the haunted gay bar in Boston. So, Mike, what's the other thing you want to talk this about? It's a very natural transition. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, the, wait till you hear the story I'm going to tell next. It's bananas and deserves to close out the episode because it's going to be hard to follow. I believe that. <laughs> I, I have a <laughs> precognition that it's going to be really yep. intense. I can see into the future. It's almost like the ghost of a relative is telling you this, isn't it? So I want to tell you guys a little bit about Baird Rustin. And so I I know that uh, Sasha knows a lot about this. So I was like, please feel free to to hop in with some details. Or if I I say anything askew, feel free to... Mm -hmm. I didn't know who he was until yesterday. Honestly, I this is the first time hearing of him. Yeah, I I only started, our history is bust. Yeah, I only started learning about him when I started teaching English 11, which is American history. Mm-hmm. And so take it away, Mike. All right. So he was born uh, 1912 as a Quaker and uh, quickly became a communist. Uh, he was a conscientious <laughs> objector to the draft and was supporting putting together the March on Washington. So this is something I didn't understand that there were like a couple of goes at putting together the March on Washington. Yeah. And so the this is the first one that was being led by A. Philip Randolph. Uh, and so initially yeah. it was about desegregating the military, but then Roosevelt actually desegregated the military before the march happened. And so then Rodolph was yeah. like, I guess whatever, like, never mind, no need to, <laughs> to march anymore. Oh, okay, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> A little stealing his thunder. He was like, well, well then, fine. I planned this whole fucking thing, but sure. <laughs> Randolph is, decides to, to bail on the march, but we see that, uh, that Rustin is not convinced that there's not march-worthy things in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in the meantime, he runs a bunch of protests, which sort of become like early versions of the Freedom Rides. He went mm-hmm. to prison several times. 
like you do when you're protesting. Like you do. Classic. Uh, he went to India and Africa to help with nonviolent Ooh. protests over there. Uh, he was supposed to meet Gandhi, but unfortunately Gandhi died before he made it over there. And then he was a- arrested in Pasadena for having sex with two men in a parked car. I'd like to, st- to hey. pause here for a second, because I, kn- I know that sounds bad, but I'll remind you it was illegal for him to have sex with those men in a house, too. So, like, yeah. kind of whatever. Street yeah. people yeah, fucking cars, like chronically. So, like, yeah, I don't want to hear any of this the bullshit. The legend about the guy with the hook for a hand? But, like, two men in a parked car. I do. Car, I'm, like, a a good, crowded good for car, him. honestly. <laughs> I was going to say, let's be real. We've all been in the backseat of cars. There is not a ton of That's space. That's right. Someone's but sitting in the middle him. seat, and that is uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but so I was I was proud anyway. that he, like... That Part of the reason I picked him was I was like, no, he's not, like, maybe he was gay. I was like, no, he went to prison for like, 60 days for fucking gay. dudes. Fucking. And I was like, well yeah. done. Good job. <laughs> Also, props. That was probably difficult in the backseat of a car. Yeah. And and he found two people while talking to him. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, did he go into it with both people or did he find one and then they were like, hey, you, what are you doing right now? Yeah. Was he their third? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's going oh, are, on? Are you yeah, wondering if it was his car? <laughs> <laughs> Whose car was it? We have That's questions. That's right. It, like, unfortunately, it, these are lost to history. Yeah. And he's a more important person. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so after uh, he gets out of prison, Randolph recommends that he connect with Martin Luther King to help. So this is something I was a little surprised by. So he's older and more experienced than Martin Luther King was. But again, yeah. openly gay and now has a prison record about it. So they decided that he was a better man to sort of be in the in the background supporting it than to be, than to be the mm-hmm. front man. And so the, this sort of outing him as a threat uh, keeps coming back up and up again. So we have Adam Clayton Powell actually is able to uh, use this to uh, to get them to not do something. So he threatens to tell the press that Rustin and King are in a gay relationship because he doesn't want Martin mm. Luther King to, in 1960, protest the DNC. And it works. They don't do it. So they oh, back fuck. down and don't... They cancel the march, and then King distances himself from Rustin. Which, by the way... Was not in a gay relationship with Martin Luther King, just to like put no. that in the clarity. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, he was gay, and therefore can't allow like, that. Yeah, basically. 1963, uh, Randolph and Rustin are planning a march on Washington for economic justice. Around the same time in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, the police turn fire hoses on a bunch of black kids, uh, and then Martin Luther King says, "Hey, I don't think that march should just be about economic justice. You should talk about civil equality." Uh, or civil rights, excuse me, at the same time. And so now it becomes about, the march becomes about jobs and freedom. So then we have Roy Wilkins and Strom Thurmond for various reasons also do the same thing that Powell did, which is like, you know, to uh, try to get him to not participate because he's a gay communist draft dodger. <laughs> Just a <laughs> bunch of things to be. Were that Was that on his business yeah. card? Excuse me. <laughs> like, hi, Bayard Reston, gay communist draft dodger. Nice <laughs> Attorney at law. I love him. <laughs> So, uh, so after they try to deter him, Rustin then, you know, is, is not deterred and ends up actually speaking at the march. So at the march, there's a part where they lay out their demands for, like, when they will stop the boycott and stop, like, marching. And he's the one who delivers what their demands are, which is pretty cool. So in 1964, a uh, Civil Rights Act was passed. And then 1980s, he actually opened up publicly about his sexuality. I found that point to be confusing because I feel like he had that decision made for him several times earlier. But no. I guess he was more. He got, maybe that was the first time he did it. Yeah, yeah. he got to like say it out loud. Which is yeah. cool. He ended up doing a, like a lot of marching with the with the gay rights movement as well, which is very very cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So then, 
Shortly thereafter, he met Walter Nagel in Times Square and was partners with him for the next 10 years, which is very nice. Uh, And there's a quote from him that I really liked, which is from Walter, and it says, The day I met Baird, I was actually on my way to Times Square. Uh, He and I were at the corner waiting for the light to change. He had a wonderful shock of white hair. I guess he was my parents' generation, uh, but we looked at each other and lightning struck. Cute. Yeah, their relationship is it really is cute. cute. It is really I also liked how Walter told his parents he was gay. Apparently he said, I'm gay, he's black, and he's older than you. <laughs> so I was like, Any excellent. questions? Here's his business card, gay communist <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't include that he's a gay communist um, draft dodger. Um, <laughs> So uh, they were, uh, because same-sex marriage was illegal at the time, Rustin had to legally adopt Nagel uh, in 1982. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's how you do it, which is way creepier now. Like Because they couldn't get married, I guess he's kind of his kid. Ugh. So anyway, he died in uh, 1987, a few days before the 24th anniversary of the March on Washington. Uh, and then, oh. it, this is really cute, in uh, November 20th, 2013, Walter accepted a Medal of Freedom from Obama for Rustin's work in the 1963 March on Washington, which is very cute. Aww. So yeah. that okay. is Baird Rustin. And I was trying to think of like what his, what his ghostly haunting ghostly would be like. And so I, I started, like I, I kind of went with like how I would want him to haunt people. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I'm a meaner person than I think he turned out to be. And so I was like, <laughs> you know, anytime somebody posts something on Grindr about how like white guys are just a preference for them, like he blows up their phone. <laughs> You know, yeah. or like if some like racist homophobic asshole is like riding a bus, they always end up like in the seat that's like directly in front of the sun and it's like too hot and sweaty. Um, yes. But I just, I don't, I, I don't it. think that's what he would do. Like I, his story is a love story and it ends really happily and he, you know, he found the love of his life. And so. Enjoy. Uh, I, I, so here, here is the sweet way I would like for him to end up haunting people. Yeah. So I like that the idea that there are numerous accounts of, of, Queer folks in Times Square experiencing this strange push, almost by a strong wind, into the arms oh. of another queer person. Looks will tell, will tell oh, you it's Baird Rustin, be... hoping uh, to help others find what he found, the love of his life in Times Square. That's so oh sweet. My God. Oh my God. I would read that graphic novel so hard. That's so so cute. I was like, now we're gonna crunch on Mike. He like and you know ended up with this really sweet life, and you know they're they're so cute yeah. together. And so, can I make a suggestion? Mm-hmm. Because of what his long-term partner said, you know, and lightning struck, maybe they feel the wind when they're trying to take refuge from a thunderstorm. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it brings the lightning back Aww. in. Aww. Cute, cute, cute. I love yeah. it. Oh, I, part of so me was cute. like, because they were waiting at a light, I was like, maybe the like lights are real broken. And I was like, that's a really lame haunt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's dark, and now you find that's each other. Right. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. That's really so that's sweet. Baird Rustin. All right, who do we know who can write a graphic novel? Yeah, <laughs> we've got a cool killer <laughs> idea. So I love oh, it. Oh, Baird Rustin. So, yeah, it was it was really fun to like learn about some of these like LGBT icons. I've, mm-hmm. It's so sad yeah. that I didn't know almost any of them. Um, yeah, we got to do better. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like with J- James Baldwin was in a similar boat as Baird Rustin yeah. in 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 the same era where he wanted to like help out with the civil rights movement, but also was like pushed. But he was he like Bear Rustin. They kept him around to some extent, but like they pushed out James Baldwin because they were like, "Yeah, you're like really gay. <laughs> like <laughs> we can't like real have gay. you. We appreciate that you want to help, but like yeah. Mm, I think wasn't know? there also something like the uh, there was someone before Rosa Parks that they were considering for it, but then they were like, she yeah. was too disreputable. Oh god, I read a book about her. Like, they have a YA book about her, like a nonfiction. She w- was 
pregnant as a teenager and like was like a teen mom yeah. and she was going to do it. Like she was I think the first person who actually refused to give up her seat and Rosa Parks was like Claudette Clark, Colvin. Claudette Colvin. Yeah, I have her book on my Kindle. But anyway, yeah, but Rosa Parks, I mean, she was a secretary for the NAACP like or a representative yeah. or something within it. So like that was more of a calculated decision. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like again, these people if you don't have the best reputation you twice get towards justice. twice yeah. towards justice but it's right. very similar to the martin luther king and bayard rustin thing where it's like bayard rustin like arguably had like more experience and more like bona fides yeah. mm-hmm. in this department but martin luther king was like young and straight and like charismatic and so like mm-hmm. and a reverend and a reverend yeah go look up go look up some photos of bayard rustin he was a was he a fox <laughs> he, he was a good looking guy he had guy. that shock of white hair man he had that shock of white hair yeah if you look up some Ooh, i yeah. like his glasses I, I, I was like gonna say, look at those glasses. He looks so scholarly. Look, look, at, look at that photo. Mm, girl. He looks great. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's taken and dead, so. He's taken and dead and gay. <laughs> there's a lot, there's of, a lot of boundaries there's between shock, you and Bear. Like, look at that. No wonder, Lightning okay. Struck. Look at that shock of white Look at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's, I'm gay, he's black, and he's older than you. <laughs> <laughs> Kablue. <laughs> I love it. All right, so Courtney, we have another story. You have a what? A story about a badass lesbian actress? Yes. To go oh yes, please. All right, are we ready to hear about another person that we should aspire to be like? Yes, please. Yes. Okay. Also in Boston. That's how I ended up down this rabbit hole. I was on a list of like fifteen most haunted places. Boston, in Boston. is haunted <laughs> AF. Like it's haunted. It's because it's so old. <laughs> it's so old. It's so old. So. The ghost of lesbian actress Charlotte Cushman. I have been waiting I'm, all day for this. I'm, I'm already here for this. <laughs> it's going to get better because she was known for playing both male and female roles Ooh. on stage in mid-19th century. Wow. Hell yeah, yes. girl. Let's talk about her. I put in my notes, Charlotte is now joining the club of women-loving women like Julie Job- Dobney, who are just so cool that I'm going to teach a class called Badass Women-Loving Women you never knew about. That yes. sounds like a pretty good class. <laughs> I would take that. You could t- co-teach it with Don. Yeah, I'll call Don <laughs> from Jamie and be like, hey, Don, I have a great idea. <laughs> Charlotte was an eighth-generation pilgrim with a gorgeous contralto voice, and even as a child, she excelled both at school and in music. She was also very sensible. When she was 13, her father fell on hard financial times that were apparently so hard he died, because that's what people did in the oh, 1800s. Lord. It's just drop dead. So in order to support her mother and sister, Charlotte, bright young student though she was, left school to become an opera singer. From there, she was convinced to try her hand at the theater, encouraged by a prominent tragedian and a different manager, to debut as Lady Macbeth while her opera company was on tour in New Orleans. Wow. After her smashing turn in the role, Charlotte found her new calling. She returned to New York City to act at the Bowery Theater, where she reprised her role as Lady Macbeth. Four years later, her younger sister Susan... This is one of the sadder parts of this story, so good news, it's not that bad. It comes back. It comes back. It comes back. (laughs) Her younger sister Susan joined her in the theater, but their lives had dramatically different trajectories. At age 14, Susan married what I termed clearly creep asshole Nelson Merriman, who first knocked Susan up... And then disappeared and ghosted her. Poof. Yay! <laughs> I'm waiting for the bounce for her... back. <laughs> yeah, this is really sad. Charlotte cared for her sister after her husband's abandonment, and the two would eventually star in Romeo and Juliet together. Ooh. Susan would play Juliet, and Charlotte began her reign as a gender-bending actress as Romeo in the 1846 production. Nice. And people were like, fuck yeah, even though it was 1846. They were like, this is fucking rad. Wow. 
Shortly before this, Charlotte started living her life as an out lesbian. In 1843, she she took up with Rosalie Sully, who was the daughter of a local artist, but this relationship lasted less than a year, and Charlotte started traveling more regularly with her theater troupe, so it put too much strain on the relationship. Long distance Charlotte, I get it. It's hard. Right. And then Rosalie just died because, again, it was the 1800s and everybody just kind of died. And then Charlotte met Matilda. Matilda. I love these names. Me right? too. Journalist, writer, and part-time actress Matilda Hayes became gal pals with Charlotte in 1848. <laughs> just gals being rel- gals. Just gals They being genuinely gals. started out as Gallon just... Gallon and Palin. They started out just genuinely Gallon and Palin, yeah. but they had a really short, intense friendship, and they were like, maybe we should do this thing. <laughs> and they started a relationship and were together for the next 10 years. Wow. They would even dress alike, and they were rarely seen without the other in public. And during their time in Rome, they were well-known as a couple. So they were, like, super out. Aww. So you would be hard-pressed to call them just gal pals, because they were like, we literally dress the same, we openly talk about how we fucking, we live together. Oh, they fucking. They fucking. <laughs> Wait, when were they talking about fucking? <laughs> I assumed, well, you'll find out where they were living in Rome. It seems like What edition of, of Romeo people. and Juliet is this? Or they're like... <laughs> Oh, they fucking. They fucking. <laughs> also, during this time, Charlotte used her white cis famous actress privilege to promote the work of African American slash Native American sculptor Edmonia Lewis, whose work she greatly admired. Because I and as I put in my notes, because if your feminism isn't sec- intersectional, it is trash. Yep. Whoop, whoop. It ain't shit. Charlotte. <laughs> it ain't shit. Charlotte was in the 1800s, and she was like, "I'ma use my white privilege for good." Good for her. I'm right. A Charlotte and Matilda lived with an expat community of lesbian artists in Rome, and it was just a grand See, old time. That's why we think they fucking. That's yeah, because they were because <laughs> they were clearly. The, if you're living collective. in an expat community of lesbian artists, I feel like you're going to talk about how you fucking. Well, with it's your it's draw me like one of those French girls, so. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but they're Italian, so it's fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> sorry. Draw me like <laughs> one of those like Italian one of those girls. Italians. <laughs> we're in Italy, Mike. Come on. <laughs> Unfortunately, their relationship soured in 1854, two years after they moved back to the U.S., because we can't have nice things. Matilda left Charlotte for a sculptor. Ugh, every time. But not the same sculptor. Don't trust the sculptor. No, different sculptor. Different sculptor. Different sculptor. And the three were involved in a dramatic and volatile love triangle, and even though Matilda and Charlotte would reconcile and get back together, they never knew, like, the happy, calm life they had in Europe. They were just always, like, they were kind of on again, off again for a while. In 1857, Charlotte started having a torrid affair with a different sculptor. So not the Don't first sculptor I mentioned. Sculptors. Not the second. <laughs> Don't trust sculptors. That's that's how you gotta do it. Are there no painters? Or like... There are. They just really like sculptors. <laughs> so sculptors are lesbians. Or les- more, more prone to be... More prone to cheating, I guess. More prone to cheating. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, sculptors who listen. Actually, there was a YA novel w- with LGBT themes that... Um, About did cheating sculptors? cheating sculptor? <laughs> yes! I'm not kidding. I'll give you the sun by Jandy Nelson. There's what two did you twins, call it? Noah the and... Thumb? No, I'll give you the sun. Oh, okay. Like, the, the sun. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I'll um, give you the sun. <laughs> I'll give you the thumb. <laughs> But these two twins, one of them is gay, and then their mom is having an affair with a sculptor. Never trust a sculptor. Don't trust a sculptor. They're too sensual, that's what it is. (laughs) They are sensual. It's all the, like, touching of clay, and their hands are rough. (laughs) You've seen ghosts. There we 
go. It comes full circle. Anyway, if we could go back in time, we're inventing a time machine to go back and tell these ladies just don't get involved with sculptors. Right. Yeah. Because Stay a lesbian, but don't get involved with sculptors. 100% being a lesbian, great, gold star, you're, you're killing it, you're crushing it, but like avoid sculptors. But maybe don't. We'll get into it. <laughs> so, Charlotte, having a torrid affair with a different sculptor. Not Matilda's sculptor, not the non-white sculptor that she used her privilege to promote. Different sculptor. Matilda walked in one day while Charlotte was writing a note, and in the 1800s equivalent of demanding to see her phone, she insisted that Charlotte show her the note. Awesome. And Charlotte was like, what? No, I'm not writing to my other paramour, and you sound so crazy right now. And honestly, <laughs> even though I'm not writing to my other paramour, my secret side piece, I'm not going to show you the note, because then how will you learn a valuable lesson about trust? You know, <laughs> never and trust what, these people, ever, ever, ever. Oh my these God. people. And sadly, what followed was a really, like, intense fight. Basically, Matilda chased Charlotte around the house. She might have hit her probably wasn't great. They got into a fight and it was the final off again of their relationship. After moving out, Matilda went one step further. She sued Charlotte. For she what? She fucking sued <laughs> what? her. She said that she had sacrificed her career. And again, remember, she was a journalist, writer, and part-time actress. Matilda sued Charlotte saying that in order to support Charlotte's acting because she was traveling so much, mm-hmm. Matilda sacrificed her own career. You can sue for that? <laughs> Apparently in the 1800s, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. That's awesome. And she was like, I deserve financial compensation for my lost I, wages I have for boys supporting I have to my call back because they wasted my time and I'm going to take them to court. <laughs> like, <laughs> Listen here, my time is valuable. Anyway, it's unclear if this case ever actually went to trial. It might have just been like, I'm going to sue you because Charlotte paid Matilda an untold sum of money. Because, again, Charlotte is a super successful actress. She's got money coming out her ass. Yeah. Like, she cannot, yeah. we cannot overestimate The boys I'm thinking of are all broke, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all you can take is their dignity, and you and should take it. And I already did. Whom <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> among us? So, <laughs> Charlotte paid off Matilda. We don't know how much. It was never disclosed. But then they never reconciled. They never spoke again. That was the end of it. Ooh. Yeah, kind of after the payment, you would expect that it's I over. I feel like once, once your ex has sued you, that door is closed. Yeah, that's got to be. <laughs> that's, that's the end. I've seen we can he's just not that into you. Is that how it is? Yes, actually. I've seen he's just not that into you. And the end scene where he sues her she, that's where she says i guess he's just not that into yeah. me and the movie ends that's exactly how it anyway. ends I remember. <laughs> charlotte continued to make her way through the young and beautiful ladies of new england and she was still crushing it as an actress after matilda charlotte moved in with her side piece sculptor emma stebbins but despite sharing a domicile Charlotte took up with an 18-year-old actress named Emma Crow, whom she called My Little Lover. As I put in my notes, this was convenient because you won't accidentally call your live-in girlfriend by your secret side girlfriend's name because they are both named Emma. (laughs) Do you know that's just planning ahead? Yeah. Wait, so were they like polyamorous or like... It doesn't seem like it. It seems like Emma number two, Emma Crow, it seems like she was the secret side piece girlfriend. Okay. It doesn't seem like Emma Stebbins knew about her. I couldn't find an account of them all being like chill and just being like, yeah, fuck whoever. But they're artists. They live in a collective. How are they not? Like, well, 
Yeah. And yeah. they're not in the collective anymore. They're back in the U.S. And you oh, know how the yeah, U.S. hates sorry. fun. No, so, no one's having sex at all then. <laughs> exactly. Right. Now Never. it's just super boring all the time. Like, it seems like Emma Crow knew about her, but it seems like most of their relationship was conducted via letters and, like, illicit meetings, Mm -hmm. which is probably not the kind of thing you would do if you're in an open relationship where all parties know and consent to what's going on. Yep. It does occur to me that means there, like, must be these, like, old-timey letters that are, like, real saucy. Ooh, Ooh. I bet. I would real like to read one. That sounds very good. Me too. That sounds amazing. We gotta start scoping out antique stores to find these letters. Charlotte eventually did move back to Italy because she was like, the U.S. is no fun. Before she did, and this is one of my favorite things about her, among tied for first with all the other things about her, <laughs> she played the title role in fucking Hamlet. She played oh, Hamlet? She nice. Was, she played Hamlet. Oh, she is yes. incredible. I love her. That's very in good. In the advertising surrounding the performance, Charlotte was described as, quote, a lady universally acknowledged as the greatest living tragic actress. I love So her. it wasn't even like, whoa, Hamlet's being played by a girl. How weird. Like, they took her 100% seriously, and everybody was like, fuck yeah, this is going to be great. I love her. That's awesome. When Charlotte moved to Italy, her first Emma, sculptor Emma, did not come with her. But Emma number two, <laughs> 18-year-old Emma, did. So Emma Crow followed her, but the relationship did not last in Italy because Emma Crow met Charlotte's nephew, Ned, and they got married in 1861. What is up with this family? (laughs) That's amazing, but but also horrifying. I don't know that I could date someone who dated my aunt. It's going to be a bad Thanksgiving. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be like, hey, guess who I'm fucking that you have also fucked? Pass the mashed potatoes? Nope. (laughs) Nope. No, thank you. No, thank you. It does you. sound like she keeps going for, like, a new model kind of situation. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like she, I think Charlotte, you know, as a traveling actress, and she's been on the road since she was, like, 13 d- between opera and acting, She, I don't think she is a very, like, put-down-roots-and-settle kind of person. I think she's very much, like, I like the new exciting phase yeah. of it, and then Ooh. it kind of, like, burns through. The only time she didn't was with Matilda. And that was when they, like, put down roots. They settled in Italy for that 10 years. And then after that, it blew up, you know. I feel like once your long-term love has sued you, you're it's probably going to be It's hard to like, love again. The first want, cut is the deepest. again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Charlotte continued making waves in theater, society, and politics, often traveling to D.C. in the 1860s to t- hang out with her close good friend, Secretary of State William Seward. You may remember him yes, from such acts as Seward's Folly, a.k.a. the purchase of land that would become Alaska. She was best friends with the guy who bought Alaska. I, uh, Why do they know each other? I don't know, <laughs> but I love it. What is this? This is the best story. I was like, what? you can see, like, I had grand intentions for what I was going to do for my research today. And then I had, I saw that little snippet and I was like, I'll find out more about this lesbian actress just to flesh it out. And then I was like, I can't just do a snippet about right. her. No. Her life was bananas. <laughs> yes. I, I, see the, <laughs> I see the problem. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. In 1861, in July 1861 specifically, Seward even introduced Charlotte to the president, Abraham fucking Lincoln. She knows Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln was like, you know what? My favorite Shakespearean play is Macbeth, and I would be hashtag blessed to see you perform as Lady Macbeth. I thought for a second you were going to say that she was in, like, the play that he was watching when he was murdered. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that was our American cousin. It wasn't a Shakespearean play. See, if he had wanted to see a Shakespearean play, 
she would have been the actress and like everything would have been okay. <laughs> well, we actually have historical proof because guess what happened? What? October 1863, Charlotte reprised what by now must have been her signature role as Lady Macbeth Macbeth, for Lincoln and his family. Amazing. So he did see her perform as Lady Macbeth. So he saw her in the role he wanted to see her in his favorite Shakespearean play two years before he was assassinated. I mean, he's the president. He can kind of get whatever he wants, but that's awesome. But but I I think it was like she was doing it anyway. And then she was like, oh, you know who said he wanted some tickets? Maybe put like four tickets on hold for my good buddy, Abraham fucking Lincoln. During the Civil War! That's bananas that, like, his favorite Shakespearean play was Macbeth. I know! That's cool. I just think it's funny he got I, four tickets, and I was like, what, he scalped two of them? Like... <laughs> I, I'm i gonna go back to Ford's Theater and go to, like, the Lincoln Museum and just, like... <laughs> Where is Charlotte? Where is Charlotte? Where is Charlotte? <laughs> For the last six years of her life, Charlotte would transition from frequently acting on stage to being a dramatic reader, a job presumably easier on her health because her health started to fail. In 1869, she started undergoing treatment for breast cancer. Oh, Jesus. It's the 1860s. Guess what probably wasn't great. (laughs) And guess what? She would reunite with Emma number one, sculptor Emma. Emma Stebbins came back to her to care for her during her convalescence. So they reunited. It's very sweet. That's nice. Charlotte's farewell performance, she kind of did a share thing. Yeah. Because she kept doing farewell performances. She was like, no, you guys, this is it. This is my farewell performance, and then I'm not performing anymore. I was like, Cher is still alive. (laughs) And then the next year, she would do another farewell performance. Wasn't it Cher who did, like, seven farewell performances? That makes sense. I mean, yeah. 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 And she just keeps doing them. Yeah. So that's what Charlotte did. She announced seven times in seven years that she was retiring from the stage, but she would always come back. Why can't her I final, quit final, you? <laughs> her final, final, like, legit for real performance, It the circuit kicked off at Booth's Theater in New York, where she played, who wants to guess? Guess, guess, guess. Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth! <laughs> Yay! She toured to Philly and a few other major cities before playing the role for the for real last time at the Globe Theater in Boston on May 15th, 1875. She did a few more of her dramatic reading engagements. She mostly did, like, poetry. She would do, like, comedic speeches. And everybody was like, this is so cool. This is this tragic actress who's, like, really good at tragedy. But also, she's funny as shit. Because she was really good at the funny speeches she would do. She was a great dramatic reader. Oh, my God. She finally retired to her lavish estates with her big pile of money in Newport. But in 1876, she would move to Boston to continue undergoing medical treatment. Because, again... Breast cancer, she's had it for seven years, they never fully eradicated it, and she ended up, she went for a walk, and they say she caught a cold, and then she died of pneumonia in her hotel room at age 59. Man, what a she life. She eventually, right? She would eventually be elected to the Hall of Fame for Great Americans in 1915, and her Charleston home is now a site on the Boston Women's Heritage Trail. So now I'm like, I want to go to fucking Boston yeah. to mm-hmm. find this woman. But what about the ghost, Courtney? You opened this by saying it was the oh, ghost. Oh, right. I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> oh, right. I know. It's so incredible. It's like, wait, what yeah, are you Yeah, I absolutely about? got wrapped up in hearing about like this woman's incredible life. <laughs> like, fucking her way through stage. Love it. The Omni Parker House in downtown Boston is now haunted by Charlotte's ghost. She is believed to have died in the now mythical room 303. But after reports of raucous laughter and the smell of whiskey originating from the room, even when it was empty, management got spooked and they converted the room into a closet. Charlotte still makes her presence known, even though you can't stay in the room where she died anymore. She summons the elevator to the third floor pretty often. So like nobody pushes the button, it just stops on three. And they're like, oh yeah, that's Charlotte, you know, just hanging out. 
I also like to think she parties with Charles Dickens because Charles Dickens also allegedly haunts this place. Nice. Particularly a mirror that was on the third floor because he's believed to have recited, I think it was part of a Christmas story, into this mirror while he was writing it. And so now they think he haunts the mirror and they've moved the mirror from the third floor. But now apparently if you look at it, sometimes you see Charles Dickens. So what? I like to what? think... <laughs> Sorry. I know. How crazy It's a is weird this story person to be haunted Charles by, I think. Charles Dickens is a footnote. <laughs> <laughs> so... I like to think that Charles Dickens is, like, writing her, like, funny monologues and shit, and then she's performing them Which is, like, Charles Dickens wrote about ghosts, so it's super meta. Yeah, (laughs) and that's Charlotte Cushman, the incredible woman you've ever So Charlotte knows Abraham Lincoln. Yes. She knows Charles Dickens. Possibly. Who doesn't she know? (laughs) I don't know conclusively that she knows Charles Dickens. He did stay in the same hotel. But their ghosts ghosts probably chill. chill. Yeah, and there is... (laughs) There's someone who hates fun who claims that the smell of whiskey and the raucous laughter is from a liquor salesman who also died on the third floor of this hotel. Wait, just any random liquor salesman? Look at a man trying to take a woman's job again. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's like better that an anonymous white man did this because God forbid a woman have fun and drink whiskey. (laughs) It's better than an anonymous white man did it. (laughs) Oh, sad, but true. Anyway, that is Charlotte Cushman. Thank you so much for that. By the way, I'm just, dying to know I, because Cushman is a family name of ours. So, like, I'm wondering if I'm related please to Please do your family tree and find out if you're related to her. It would make so much look sense. Look at this sassy bitch. Look at her. That, I mean, I'm seeing all Vance look features right smile. here. Right? Uh, find out. Right? <laughs> because this is, this is her and Matilda in their matching outfits because they would go out in matching outfits. That would... I believe Matilda is the one sitting. That is amazing. That, please send me that information. Please. I will investigate. That would be great. This oh is God. her and her sister being Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> just, just, just gals being pals. Just gals being pals. I believe this is one of the times she was Lady Macbeth. She did it all like witchy. Okay, she's a, her face is incredible. Right? She could be a Vance. Oh my God. I see it. Yeah. Ooh, particularly that face. That's a Mike face. That's a Mike face. Look at that Mike face. Oh, that's nice. I thought you were going to show me, like, Macbeth again, and I was like, ow. No. <laughs> Look at her. Look at her. Ugh. Oh, apparently she cross-dressed, she, too. She looks like Dorian Gray. Uh. Oh, maybe I can pull off a bow tie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please be slutty Charlotte Cushman for Halloween in the tradition of slutty costumes, and people are going to be like, who are you? And you're going to be like, sit down. I have time. a long and storied history. It was like, wait, are you a sculptor? Because get the hell out of here. <laughs> This is my great, 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 great aunt. She's fucking right. sculptors. She probably shouldn't yeah. have, but she She's did. only a few generations back, but like some of those greats are just descriptive of how great she is. Like. <laughs> truly, truly, you can see again she's like, like super great <laughs> i had grand designs about how i was going to write a little short story about julie daubigny haunting the convent she burned down and like i was like this is gonna be so fun i'm gonna write a cute little short story and then i discovered charlotte cushman and i was like spoiler alert i'm not nope, doing anything fair. else <laughs> this one is the i don't blame best. you and like the the little blurb about her on that website genuinely just was like lesbian actress known for playing both male and female role Charlotte Cushman died here now she haunts it and I was like okay I bet there's just like a one or two sentence about like how she died whatever and I found her Wikipedia page and I was like holy shit that is amazing <laughs> and build an altar to Julie Dobney and Charlotte Cushman mm-hmm. and just keep adding to it every Charlotte time we Cushman find. give us strength. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Spoop Hour. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for, you for having me. On. Thank um, you for sharing awesome stories. Yeah. We've got Bayard Rustin adding to our list of rad people. Right. And we've got 
Charlotte mm-hmm. Cushman, mm-hmm. probably Mike's great, 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 great aunt. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet you're a descendant of Ned Cushman and Emma, Emma number two. It could be. Yeah, could be. that's where that's where we get you. <laughs> you're saying that I may not be the actual child of a lesbian who didn't have any children? <laughs> the she actual didn't have any children. Lesbian. I'm so sorry to break it to you, Mike. She did not have well, children, right. so... <laughs> You can't be her. But kid. you can still claim her as your. She could be your just amazing right. aunt. Yeah. <laughs> great, yeah. you're great. Yeah. Which means you're related to that awkward Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> Where no! It's like this is my fiance Ned. You may know him because he's your nephew. <laughs> <laughs> I have someone for you to meet. Oh my god. It is Ned. It is Ned. It is Ned. All right, so as always, find us on the internet at Spoop Hour on Instagram and Twitter. We're on all your podcatchers, probably. Email us stories at spoophour at gmail.com. Do it. Do it. And Mike, where can people find you if they want to find you? You're on Instagram now. You're on Instagram now. Not following Spoop Hour. I, I literally, I, I got Instagram because I started dating somebody who was like, I need you to like my pictures on Instagram. Can you please get an Instagram? I don't, I still don't know really how to use it. I, I think that's all that I do is like his pictures on Instagram. Oh, you're such an old man, that's but you're so not funny. old, but you're an old man. That's so funny. I don't know how to like pictures oh. on my Instagram. <laughs> there is, there is nothing for to follow about me on Instagram. Oh, okay. Well, we hope to have you on here again. Cause yes, please. I always have a good time awesome. chatting with you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yay! We always have a good time chatting well, with you. Thanks yeah. for coming back on. Thank yeah. you for listening to this mega size episode. <laughs> we just had so much gay content to give you to make up for the lack That's of it right. in our history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody be cool. All right. Be cool. Be cool, be cool, guys. Go fight some historians. Yeah. <laughs> Go fight them because they're wrong. Hi, I'm Lainey host of the True Crime Fan Club podcast. If you're a true crime addict like I am, then my show is for you. I'll peel back the curtain and give you a glimpse into the life and crimes of some of the most demented minds. Check out the episode Broken Bonds and listen to a brother reveal a deeply held secret. Or hear about the day that the heavy metal community will never forget in the episode Dimebag. These episodes are just a sample of our catalog, so you have plenty to binge. Just search for True Crime Fan Club Podcast and any podcatcher. You won't want to miss an episode. Jamani is now just like a regular sports bra. Sports bra? bra. It's a sports mm-hmm. it's bra. A sports bra. <laughs> it's very supportive. It straps them in so you can run. Um, I mean, no, that it's just like a gay bar to me. <laughs> the sports bra. The sports bra. You're welcome. That for would your be an excellent idea. name for a lesbian bar. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Okay. <laughs> the three of us, and then we'll make it haunted somehow. We'll summon a ghost and then just never unsummon it. One gay, Boom. one bi, one straight. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> anyway, so 